Hey, you're listening to a podcast from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you. So find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. I was just as happy as all y'all to see Marcus in here today. I was thinking, okay, I got the day, you know. I don't have to worry about coming up here and preaching and all. I'm feeling good. And then he left. So praise God. <laughs> Thank God. I'm thankful that I got something ready. Hey, it's good to see you guys. Thank you so much for coming and being here. I want to welcome all of you today. I also want to welcome everyone that is with us online. There's a bunch of people watching right now. And I just want to say good morning to you. Happy Independence Day weekend. America, America, praise God. All right? Good for us. I am thankful that last night I heard more fireworks in the city of Fort Smith than I have ever heard in my entire life. Raise your hand if you heard every firework from uh, 8 a.m. to midnight, 1 in the morning. I saw people on Facebook posting about, I'm tired of hearing these fireworks. And I was just thinking, this is my kind of 4th of July. I like this kind of stuff. When I was in New York City, I experienced the greatest 4th of July of my entire life. And I won't tell you the whole story because it takes a real long time and I don't have all that time. But I will say the drug dealers in Brooklyn put on the best show you have ever seen. It is amazing. We sat on the rooftop with potato launchers and we were shooting potatoes into Queens. It was incredible. And the whole day ended with uh, a bunch of police officers coming and raiding our whole block. They had all these people down on the ground. And while they did, a little 12-year-old kid jumped in the police car and took off in it. And all the police ran off chasing them. And I was just sitting up there on the roof just singing my country tis of thee, man. This is, this is America. Amen to that. All right. If you would, pull, up, uh, pull out your Bibles. We're going to continue in the book of First Peter Today, last week, Nick taught an incredible message on holiness, and if you've missed any of the messages from this series, then they're available online, and you can catch up either on video or for those of you that like to listen to a podcast. But a little review on where we are. Peter is writing this book to Christians that are scattered throughout the Roman Empire, and they are being persecuted to varying degrees. Some of them quite severely. Some of them are experiencing torture and death and all sorts of awful persecutions. And Peter writes to them to bring instruction and comfort to them in their time of despair. And the main idea that he gives them that anchors them during persecution and times of trial is this This place is not our home. Heaven is our home. And we have a living hope in Jesus Christ that is in heaven. So fix your eyes on him and you can endure and stand through any trial in this world when we realize that our reward isn't here but in heaven. And so we talked about our hope in the first week of 1 Peter. And we talked about how the word calls us exiles or 
aliens or people just passing through. And you can think of it like this life is like an 80, 70 to 80 year layover, right? From where I came from to where I'm going to heaven. Isn't, and 2020 is like the part, how many of y'all ever been on a real long layover in an airport somewhere? 2020 is the part where like all the stores are closed, the Dunkin' Donuts shut down, the seats are all taken, everybody's cell phone charger is already taken, so you're sitting in the corner by yourself watching CNN. That is what 2020 is in this layover that we're on right now. But it is a layover. We are passing through this life because our citizenship is in heaven. And so, as citizens of heaven, there's a way that we are to live. And Nick talked about it last week, holy, set apart. And when we get into chapter 2, it starts on that same idea. Live as people that are set apart and holy. First Peter chapter 2, we'll start in verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So the idea here is this. We have come to Christ, and as such, the Bible calls us new creations. We are new creatures. We have a new set of values to adopt into our lives. The Bible says that the old things have what? Passed away, and the new things are here. The gospel, the values, and the, the teachings of Christ, and all of this is what we are called as believers to adopt. And it's so very important that you and I both fully grasp this idea that we are just passing through this life, making an impact, certainly, but our end hope isn't here. And we are citizens of heaven because with that citizenship, comes certain responsibilities as believers. We come from all different kinds of backgrounds. I understand that. We were all born with a sin nature. And I, when I was in New York, I worked for an organization, and we had interns that would come in from all around the world. Lots of people from Europe, lots of people from Asia, from South America. I mean, from everywhere on earth, people would fly into New York City, and they would intern for a couple of years. And so in the fall, you would see a new batch of interns come in, from all over the place, and it was incredible to watch how different people are. People in other places are different, y'all. They got different ways that they do things. They got different things that are okay in some parts of the world that just aren't okay here. And we were working for a church, and after church one day, I'll never forget this. We had all finished the church. It was a long day. We were doing kids' services, and it, probably eight or nine kid services that day, all in one day, one after another. And we were tired and exhausted. And I remember these people just out of high school, 18, 19 years old, 
from Germany and from Ireland and from Scotland. They walked out of the church and right across the street, I mean 15 feet from the church door, there's a little shop, a corner store that we called a bodega. So they walked over to the corner store and every one of them, they bought themselves a Heineken, they bought themselves a Corona, and they came and they sat down on the front steps of the church and they just sat there and drank their Coronas and drank their Heinekens in front of everybody. And me, coming from the South, I was like, oh my word, I ain't never seen anybody drink a real beer in real life before. This is crazy. What's going on around here? So I was like, is that real, real beer? And they're like, yeah, you want one? I was like, no, no, I'm a Christian. I can't even drink it for beer. What are you doing? I, it shocked me how different people were. And I just wasn't, I was completely oblivious to the fact that this went on in parts of the world. And actually, it turned out that the pastors of the place, they weren't in favor of it either, and they, they all got sent back to Germany, okay? But when we come into the kingdom, we come with all kinds of baggage, but the word says that we are to adopt a new set of values. We are to adopt a new set of behaviors that are glorifying to Christ. They are Christ's values, and they are better for us than anything we could have come up with our own self. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. And there is a rearranging that has to happen in the heart of a believer, when you come into the kingdom of God, when you follow Jesus, something has to happen. Something has to be rearranged. And this is the idea. Jesus is king. It's not just a Kanye West album. Jesus is king. And today we're going to talk about one of his probably right now in our culture, least popular values, and that is godly submission. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. We love it. It shapes us. It molds us, and I ask that today it would do just that, that we would leave here with a greater understanding of your kingship, what that means in our life, and how we can live in a way that is glorifying to you, that serves you, and brings much glory to you. I love you, and I thank you for all of my friends here, all of my friends watching online. Uh, use your word today to shape our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I'm going to read a bunch right off the bat. I'm going to skip around through First uh, Peter chapter 2, and then the beginning of chapter 3. And it's going to be a lot. Don't gloss over the eyes, or if you do, pick back up with me as soon as I'm done. I'm going to read a bunch, and then we're going to go back and talk about what we read. We're going to start chapter 2, verses 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor, a supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Verse 18. 
Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And then I'm skipping to chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. We have three different sections that Peter is talking to here. First, Peter is saying, submit yourselves to governors, to governments, to institutions of man, and not just submit yourselves, but honor them. The second, Peter is saying, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters, not just the good ones, but the bad ones. Submit yourselves for the Lord. And third, he says, likewise, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And these are, in their own right, three different sections of First Peter that, honestly, each of them we could take some time and talk through the whole thing. And my first impression when reading this text was to break down every uh, single one of them, because especially this part on slaves, because I can't imagine um, when someone reads that what their mind goes to. Um, I watched a movie this week called, uh, I can't remember, Harriet. It's about Harriet Tubman. And just seeing the institution of American slavery and how vile and wretched and evil it was. And you go and you read this scripture. And so I thought, man, I re we really need to take some time and break all of this down. But the truth is right now, today, we don't have time to break everything down uh, and examine the full breadth of what Scripture has to say about each of these things. I just don't have time. But hopefully at some point we can do this. But there is a common thread that connects all of these things. And that is what I want to talk about today. And it all begins with this idea. Jesus is king. And it's important to frame everything with that in mind. And that sounds really great. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. I love Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I love the song. I'll sing it. I'll say it. And it all sounds well and good until something happens where you and Jesus don't agree on the way things should go in a certain situation. And then you find out it's harder to have a king than I thought. Everybody wants to be the king of their own kingdom. I want to be the king of the castle, the lord of the manor. I got things in my house that I want a certain way, like ranch dressing, all right? I like some ranch dressing when we have certain things, but I like craft ranch dressing. 
I know great value makes a ranch dressing, and it's probably 38 cents cheaper, but it ain't the same. You know what I mean? A can of black eyed peas is a can of black eyed peas. It don't matter what brand it comes from. They all taste the same. So just buy the cheapest can of black eyed peas. But a bottle of ranch dressing, that is a different story, my friends. And you know it, and I know it. Uh, what's it called? Aldi's. They have chips. They don't have Doritos. They have what's called Clancy's, okay? And my kids, when they went in there and we bought a bag of Clancy's, my son's like, what's a Clancy? It don't taste like Doritos. It looks like Doritos, but it's a lot. It ain't Doritos. It's a Clancy, and it's very different. The same thing is true with ranch dressing. And when I go to look for the ranch dressing in my refrigerator, I want to find a bottle of Kraft ranch dressing. Praise God. That's what Christians use on their salad and other things. I am all a fan of it. We want to establish an order in our world and be the king of our kingdom. It's just the natural way we want to decide what the outcome of our life is. And when we're not kings in different parts of our kingdom, we are looking for someone or something that we can get behind and pledge our allegiance to. If you grew up like me, in school, every morning, what'd you do? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Y'all know it? And to the republic for which it stands. With liberty and justice for all. And then we would sing, my country tis of thee. How many of y'all sing my country tis of thee? Praise God. It's not just a Magnolia thing. I'm happy to know it. I am an American through and through. Yesterday, the, we, we cooked burgers, we grilled hot dogs, we ate Fritos and bean dip, we cooked tater tots that are purely American, we put up the American flag, I got on, the first thing I did, I turned up a song with Alan Jackson singing, Do You Remember, or, or whatever it is, Where Were You When That, you remember that, you know what I'm talking about? I love this country, I am a patriot through and through. But my number one allegiance is not to this nation. And one of the greatest dangers in the church and in believers' lives right now is this. Some of us make politics, politicians, good ideas, good organizations. We pledge our allegiance to them, and we put them on equal footing in our lives with Jesus. And anything that you bring up to that place that Jesus occupies, the king of your heart, any person that you glorify to that place where they are on equal footing or they have the same amount of influence in your life that Jesus does, that is an idol that needs to come down out of your life. I even see this a lot with young people right now that they take the idea of love and they define what love means and that becomes the king and guiding thing in their heart. They are guided by their definition of love and some of them even say, I love Jesus and I know Jesus loves me, but I have an even greater understanding of what love is and what compassion is than the word of God or Jesus. And so I'm going to live that out. I am better in some ways than the word of God. And even that idea that you have a better love than Jesus or the God of Scripture is an idol that needs to be torn down from your life and from your heart. Jesus is 
king. There is no one beside him. There is no one equal to him. And that position of lordship in your heart is supreme over everything else. So when we talk about, when you read these three things, Peter says, submit yourselves to governments. Submit yourselves to your masters or your boss. Submit yourself to your husband. All of these things are true, but none of these things exist. None of these words or commandments exist by themselves. None of them are absolute. The only absolute is Jesus is king. So anytime I face one of these things where I'm submitting myself to someone else and it comes in conflict with me submitting my heart to Christ, the other thing always loses because Jesus is always supreme. There is a, um, a feeling and, and anger when we talk about, especially when you say wives submit yourself to husbands because I think this scripture has been abused so bad over the history. The same one with the slaves submit yourselves to masters. People used to preach that to keep people into American slavery, and it was wrong and sick and disgusting. And in the same way, people will use this scripture to trap women in a relationship that is completely not glorifying to Christ at all, abusive and, and different things. And, and women have been trapped because of the abuse of scripture here. I want to give you a few things about submission real quick, and then we'll, we'll go. Number one, submission is a choice. Submission is a choice. Now, God commands us to do it, but you have to choose to lay your will down and submit to someone. In my mind, submission and WWE kind of go hand in hand, right? When I think of submission, I think of me putting my sister in the figure four leg lock or the cross face chicken wing, and I'm going to make her tap out. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You're going to tap out because I'm making you submit. Real, true, biblical, godly submission isn't a product of coercion. It's not something that I making you do. It's something that you are choosing to do because you recognize the supremacy of Jesus. And Jesus has commanded it, and I willingly choose to submit and lay my will down to submit to the person that God has because God's order is better than my order. And these things about submission, if you look at it and you read about slavery and how evil it was, the seeds to unravel slavery completely are built in to these scriptures. The, the, the people, abolitionists throughout history have used the scriptures as a guiding light to get rid of the evils of slavery because Jesus tells us to submit not to the master because they don't have the authority to make me submit. Not submit to the master, period. Submit for the Lord's sake, to these institutions. It is God that gives me the power to submit. And then he goes on to say, live as free people. But number one, submission is a choice. Number two, submission has nothing to do with value. And this is one that a lot of women struggle with is they say, well, I'm not submitting because I'm just as important as my husband. I am on equal footing. God created all of us equal. Submission has nothing to do with your value. It's not saying because I'm submitting to someone else 
that I am worth less than them. It is saying that my worth is in Jesus and I'm going to obey his word. Number three, submission is not passivity. What this means is I'm not just going to lay down and be a doormat and let people walk all over me because I submit. I'm not just going to let the, uh, the thing run out of control, especially in my home. Just because a wife is called to submit to her husband, it doesn't mean that she just lets uh, the husband do whatever. It, she still has a God-created role in the home. She is still just as valuable and equal to God as the husband is. It's not passivity. Number four, submission is strength, not weakness. There is this idea that comes along with that word submission. And it is, I submit because I'm weak and they are strong. But sometimes the hardest thing you have to do is say, I'm going to close my mouth right now. Y'all know that's the truth. The easiest thing to do is to open your mouth and just go for it. You hear it every time you go walk down a toy aisle at Walmart. You hear the kids that ain't going to submit, right? They ain't ain't having it. They want what they want, and they make it known. For Jesus to hang on that cross, do you think it's because he was weak? He didn't have to be there. It took all the strength in the universe on the inside of him to say, I am. I'm strong enough to endure this. He didn't hang on that cross because he had to, because he was weak, because they put him there. He was submissive and strong. Number five, and I said this, only submission to Christ is absolute. If you're in a relationship and someone is physically abusing you or asking you to do things that are sinful against God. Now, I'm telling you right now, your loyalty, your allegiance before anything else is to Jesus Christ. So there's a way to honorably, if if your spouse is asking you to do something sinful that is against God, your allegiance is to him. If my, you see this all through scripture with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see that they wouldn't bow, even though they're called to submit to government authority, and that's in scripture. The government says, bow down to this idol, and they say, no, because ultimately my allegiance is to Christ. We can go out to eat, you and me. Me and Vitaly here, we go out to eat. We can go to Hideaway Pizza. We can get the meatballs. We can get the fried cheese. We can do the whole thing. We can laugh and have a good time. And I love all y'all in here. I love James Vitaly. He helped me get a house. He's the man. He is great. I love him. But I don't love him as much as I love my wife. And if we're at Hideaway Pizza and he wants me to do something that disrespect my wife, I'm sorry, James Vitaly. I do love you. I do. And I hope we can go out to eat again. But I ain't going to do what you asked me to do because I love my wife more than I love James Vitaly. In the same way, when you are faced with a conflict about honoring God or honoring that that you are submitting to, you will always choose to honor Christ. Hopefully we can go through these different sections and spend more time on them because they actually are, it's amazing to study scripture throughout these different parts. But my prayer for you today is that you would all, and we would grasp this idea that Jesus is our king, our allegiance is to him.
above all else and all others. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for every person in here today. I pray for everyone watching online and everyone here. God, that you would be the king of our heart. And for anyone right now who says, I have never made Jesus my true king and my true Lord and bowed my knee and honored him, I don't honor him with my life. He's not first placed in my heart. If that is you, whether you're here or online, I want to pray, and I ask you, pray this with me with all sincerity this morning. Pray it to God. Say, Jesus, thank you 